Peter Thomas Fornital here. We at In The Money Media are so happy to be partnering with Maggie Wolfendale on this new podcast series. On these shows, Maggie is telling the story of the horses through the voices of the people who love them and whose lives have been changed by them. Best of all, they're being produced to benefit our friends at the Thoroughbred Retirement Foundation, whose mission of saving lives, both human and equine, is so important to Maggie and so important to us at the network. To make a gift to support this show and the Thoroughbred Retirement Foundation, go to trfinc.org slash off track. That's trfinc.org slash off track. The next voice you hear will be Maggie Wolfendale. Dark Bay, or Brown Mare, fold March 11, 2015, in Kentucky. By Proud Citizen, out of royalties, by King of Kings. Two starts, zero wins, zero seconds, zero thirds. Career earnings, $325. Jockey club name, Nell Gwynn. This is her story off track, told by Cassidy Edwards. So excited to talk to my next guest, Cassidy Edwards. And Cassidy, we're going to be talking about Nell Gwynn, but more affectionately known as Gigi for you. But Cassidy, Thank you so much for coming on, and you're somebody that I've wanted to have on for quite a while, and for people who don't know, you're the daughter of Bob Edwards, who rose very quickly to prominence as far as owning racehorses with such names as Rushing Fall, New Money Honey, Good Magic, but Cassidy, you were kind of the driving force behind your dad getting into this industry, and I've heard his side of the story, but I want to get your take on how you and your family got involved in horse racing. Yeah, so uh, the funny thing is, is that I grew up riding, and I had always begged my parents to kind of, you know, buy me a horse, and my dad was like, no, like, you know, that's expensive, and, you know, it's just a hobby. And then um, my mom was actually a Pinkerton at Saratoga. And then my parents kind of went to school in New York and whatnot. And um, so they've always been familiar with the racetrack. And uh, my dad's old business partner got into racing. So he's like, let me like, you know, go show you around at the auction and whatnot. So we we went back there. My dad takes me knowing that I am definitely going to press him to go home with a horse. Um, you know, he met Mike Ryan. He He learned a lot about the racing side of things. And he was very intrigued by it. So. Um, long story short, we did end up going home with a horse. Um, so it was a lot of fun. I was very excited. So technically, I guess that would have been my first horse, not one that I ever got to ride, but it was um, a horse in the family. So one step closer, I guess. Which horse was that? Uh, that was Lucky Bug. And when did New Money Honey come into the picture? Gosh, uh, so she was part of our first string of purchases, I believe. She was probably like the seventh or eighth horse that we got and went into training at Stone Street. 
Wow, that's amazing. And how involved have you been from you know that kind of first purchase of Lucky Bug uh, until now? What has been your role behind E5 Thoroughbreds? So I definitely was more involved in the beginning. Um, now I kind of just do social media management. And then I work with um, Kristen alongside, you know, having to, uh, you know, rehome some of our thoroughbreds coming off the track. So, um, you know, I carefully place them either in a thoroughbred aftercare facility that has a rehabilita- rehabilitation program, excuse me, or if I, you know, I've made some uh, connections along the way that do eventing and whatnot. And if I think there's a better fit for them, I'll place them in a home that's already kind of doing um, a second career. How instrumental was the fact that you had grown up riding horses in that role in finding you know, your your horses that needed to find second careers? Uh, how easy was that process made by having your background? Well, I think I, you know, coming into the racing world, Uh, is when I kind of became a huge advocate for thoroughbred aftercare um, and the off-track thoroughbreds and their value in other disciplines. But um, it's relatively easy to rehome them. I think everyone can kind of see, you know, how athletic they are, making them versatile to really excel in any career. Now, Gigi's name, Nell Gwynn, how how did she come into your hands? How did, you know, your meeting take place? (laughs) Um, So, I've worked closely with Anna Ford of New Vocations. Um, she took in quite a few of our horses off the track um, earlier on. And uh, she, she, I was going to go out and go see the facility, but I had already been working on getting an off-the-track thoroughbred. Um, I had gotten another horse. He was a thoroughbred. He'd never run. Um, and he kind of was already made and kind of teaching me the ropes and whatnot. But I wanted an off-track thoroughbred. So... Um, I had looked at, you know, some of the listings she had online. I was trying to help clear a stall for one of our horses going into her program. And um, I came across a horse that I loved. So I went out and, um, you know, I watched the horse and whatnot. And she's like, you know, I think I have a better fit for you. Um, I think there's a horse that you'll really get along with. And it happened to be Gigi. So I met her and it was kind of like, you know, love at first sight. And um, I ended up adopting her later that day. So, Well, that happened quickly. <laughs> oh, yeah. It was fun conversation going home. <laughs> so I'm coming home with a horse. I was meant to go out and just tour the facility, but this happened. Um, but she, um, not a lot I find of people that, you know, foray into the, the OTTB world and, and the sport horse side of things choose a mare necessarily. Did you have it in the back of your mind that you wanted a mare or was it just because she is who she is? So I had originally gone on the the listing and the horse that I wanted to originally take home was a mare. Um, I The other horse that I did already have was a gelding. So I did kind of want to play both sides, but I was not um, not open to getting another gelding because I do think, you know, sometimes they're easier to get along with. But she ended up being very kind of quiet and, and very, um, she just, her demeanor was not super marish, if that makes sense. Oh, it makes total sense. I mean, I think they're they're a rare but uh, valuable find when you have a mare that that is more of a dude um, than, <laughs> than a, a unicorn. A, exactly. Um, so, what do you, 
what's the process been? I mean, obviously within new vocations, as you were mentioning, and you can kind of maybe explain a little bit more, they take courses and they begin the retraining process. So I think there's such a valuable uh, asset and organization to our industry for these horses to go on to second career. So what had Gigi done when you had gotten her and how, and what do you guys kind of do now as far as showing? Yeah, absolutely. So um, New Vocations does a great job over there. You know, they got her used to the mounting block. They were flatting her. Um, I don't think they had started her doing any jumping or anything. Um, I ended up starting her doing jumping probably, I don't know, three or four months into owning her. Um, Originally getting her off the track, I was, you know, so scared to ride her. So luckily I had Tyler to kind of teach me the ropes and he would give me pony rides or he would get on her. And I think I started riding her maybe like two or three months in. Um, but he was kind of a blessing to me just because I, I didn't know really anything about um, those horses and, and how they were trained. And I think having a background um, on them really helped me with excelling in her training that we're doing now. So we're going to go off the exit ramp really quick. And for those who don't know, you mentioned Tyler. Tyler Gaffleone is your fiance, uh, a very well-known and successful rider. So how did that relationship blossom? And how much of a part is he in being a support system for you and Gigi? Oh, gosh. So um, I luckily got to meet Tyler. He (laughs) Very early on um, into our racing career, he actually rode a horse for us down at Gulfstream, um, and he ended up winning. So that was how I initially met him. And I think like a few weeks or a month after that, we kind of started talking and we were hitting it off. And then, you know, shortly after Breeders' Cup that year, we started dating. So um, we've been inseparable since then. And um, he's gosh, he's literally like the biggest blessing of my life, but he's so supportive of anything that I want to do. Um, you know, like we had our first horse show and it was over in Lexington at the horse park and we were just doing a flat, like a hunter flat class, nothing big, nothing super exciting. And he had to work and ride that day, but he drove over to Lexington, made us a little sign and came us, came out and watched us and um, then went over to work. So I'm just really lucky to have him, you know, he's always there to help me if I have questions, you know, he, he educates me on like how these horses are brought up, because he's, you know, very well polished and like how everything on the racetrack happens, whereas I'm, you know, still new to it. But no, he's, he's the greatest. (laughs) That is, it's really sweet, honestly. (laughs) Um, And so any wedding plans? Uh, Yes, July 12th. Excellent. Um, Kentucky? Florida, Saratoga, no, New York. Nice. Uh, so we're going up. It's like right in the Adirondacks, kind of. So we've got kind of you know a farm vibe, but the mountains too. There's like a little lake. It's perfect. Gigi will be there. <laughs> she's like so, the horse of honor. <laughs> she's gonna be in the wedding. Yes, she'll be there for photos. We worked something out with the venue, and um, they were fine with her being there for photos. So. That is amazing. And so you obviously travel quite a bit throughout the year with regards to kind of the circuits and stuff where Tyler's riding as well. Um, So does Gigi go to each state, you know, Florida, Kentucky, uh, New York? She does. She's uh, she follows all of the racing circuits without running in any of them. Um, She's become quite the traveler. But um, yes, uh, Brooke Lodge is is uh knows her very well. They they see her gosh about every couple months. So 
And how does she adjust to that? Because some, I mean, some horses that I've known off the track, once they get kind of settled in that second career life and on the farm, then they don't really handle traveling that well. But on the flip side, they're racehorses. And while in the, the racetrack, uh, you know, program, they travel quite a bit. It's actually incredible. So she's already kind of like a nervous filly mm-hmm. and um, she adjusted really, really well to this lifestyle. Um, you know, the first two times that she traveled, she'd lose a lot of weight, but now she kind of just gets on the van and gets off and she's like, I'm here. And, you know, she doesn't lose any weight at all. She's like settles right in. So I think she likes being able to travel, um, you know, especially in the colder months. I think she enjoys the warmer weather. But um, she was really excited to come back to Kentucky, too. I don't blame her whatsoever. I wish I could go get warm somewhere. (laughs) (laughs) But so what do you – I know you're very busy, obviously, you know, with a full-time job. But what are kind of the goals with you and Gigi uh, with regards to showing? Do you have any shows lined up? Yeah. So um, we – we kind of landed over here. She's only about 20 minutes from my house now over in Simpsonville. Um, and the stable there is actually going to have like a at-home horse show. So I think we're going to enter that. It's next month at some point. Um, and we'll probably do, it's an eventing barn. So, you know, I have to do the dressage portion of it, but it's just, I think, walk, trot, canter. And then um, there's like a cross rail uh, version. And then I think there's uh, two, three to two, six. So we might do the cross rails. Awesome. And I mean, is there like a long-term goal with her or is she just kind of your, your hobby that, you know, just makes you happy? Yeah. So, um, I do have, uh, you know, goals and dreams that I, I hope to achieve with her. You know, she took me to my first big horse show at the horse park. Um, we're hoping to get back into that. She did, um, have colic surgery last year. So I'm kind of just jumping back into things slowly with her. Um, you know, luckily everything uh, went well and she healed perfectly. And, you know, we really took the time in Florida to kind of just rehab and um, take things slowly. So this would be our first show back. And, um, you know, like I said, everything is perfect. She's been perfect. She's really happy to be back and having a job. So I'm grateful that she still wants to do a job. And um, yeah, hopefully, hopefully we can, you know, start getting to the, the bigger track soon. But for now, we'll do the, the backyard horse shows and have some fun. I find that thoroughbreds, they always want a job and they like to work. I think it's kind of innately bred into them to have that disposition. Is that something that you have found as well, not only as you mentioned with Gigi, but with some of the other horses you've been around? Uh, absolutely. So that actually really uh, developed my love for the thoroughbred was like how big their heart is and how, you know, I feel like they always want to do right by their rider. I I feel like they have, you know, that instilled in them that they want to do something. They want to be the best at something because I, I I know this is probably weird, but every time we do something very small, I can just tell she's like very proud of herself. And I think it's really cute. You know, like after she comes off a jump, she gets really excited with her little ears and she's got a little skip in her step. So I, I, I do think that. I couldn't agree more. I, I think that's the most redeeming quality, if not many others, about uh, the thoroughbreds. But now you mentioned that you facilitate a lot in finding horses that have come off the track that your your family has owned and finding second careers. How integral do you think it is to our industry as someone in your position to be able to do that? And how important are 
organizations such as New Vocations, such as the TRF and, um, you know, the Take Two and Take the Lead programs that we have here in New York. How, From your vantage point, how important is that? Oh, I think it's really important, um, especially because if they give us their all on the track and then you just see that it's not really the career for them, I think it's extremely important to find, you know, somewhere else where they fit. Um, obviously, it's you know, like coming off the track, it's, it's never easy to, you know, retrain one. But I mean, it's super rewarding. It's always going to be a challenge. But to watch them grow and learn something else, I think is extremely rewarding. And where do you think how could we do better as an industry um, with regards to rehoming these horses? I, I really think that almost creating like a community uh, you know, for off-track thoroughbred enthusiasts, really, you know, educating them on how they're brought up on the track, which, you know, may be able to give like off-track resources, you know, that that advantage to learning about it. Um, I think just kind of getting more people involved, promoting thoroughbred aftercare, I think we can really help push them out there as, you know, horses that can excel in a second career. Now, once this is on air, this this will already have happened, but I know that you uh, are going tomorrow to New Vocations Barbecue. Yes, I am. I um, I had reached out to Anna Ford. I told her that I would go and, and help out. So I think that'll be a lot of fun. And I think that's, you know, a great, a great thing to do for the off-track community is I think that's awesome. That's how you bring people in. Yeah, uh, I could not agree more. Good time to do it as well, like a week before Derby too. And for you, being involved with the success that your dad has had owning horses, just to kind of get back to the racing side of things, what has been your most favorite experience? Oh, gosh. Um, wow. I, I mean, we've been on a thrilling ride with, you know, some of our top horses um, I was doing our E5 newsletter yesterday, and we have some really nice horses, I think, gearing up to go to Saratoga. So we've not had an exciting 2022 yet, but I think Saratoga will be a lot of fun. So I'm excited for that. Any Breeders' Cup love? Like any Ooh. favorite parts of the Breeders' Cup? I don't know. I, I don't want to jinx it, but I, but I saw some very nice horses in training at Stone Street. So, you know, some of them are within a partnership. I, I think it'll be a really exciting summer. At least I'm hoping so. Okay. I mean, but like going back, like, you know, with, with you know, good magic oh, oh. and some of the other <laughs> Phillies. I mean, like in the past, that's already happened. So I don't want to jinx you. <laughs> but what is oh, I'm it? all over the place. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I know. So what, um, what, <laughs> what has been like your favorite experience thus far? Unfortunately, I was not there for New Money Honey's, um, Breeders' Cup win, but I was there for Rushing Fall and Good Magics, and that actually happened to be, um, you know, that was exciting and thrilling, and it was amazing for them to win back-to-back. Like, I just don't think you could have beat a weekend like that, but that was also the weekend that Tower and I went on, like, our first date, (laughs) so we actually started dating, like, you know, a week or so after that Breeders' Cup, so that would probably be one of my, my most fond memories of racing. That's funny. Actually, my husband, Tom, and I, we started dating right after the Breeders' Cup, what, 11 or 12 years ago. So th- it's a good omen to, to go on your first <laughs> date after the Breeders' Cup, in my opinion. Perfect. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> um, so now <clears> – <throat> excuse me. So Gigi uh, has only had two starts on the racetrack. 
And she, have you found, and because, uh, you know, I've, I've worked with several and the majority of the ones that I've taken off the racetrack have been, you know, some of them, the war horses who have made over 50 starts or, you know, they were, they had long racing careers or they ran to two to eight, nine, 10. What do you find that, and there's probably no right answer to this, but it's just your personal opinion. Do you find that the lesser raced or not so talented horses are easier to retrain or do you have no preference and have you worked with any of the ones that have had long careers? So I, I don't think I would be able to really say too much about that only because she was my first off the track thoroughbred. Right. Um, I did have my dad's horse land shark um, mm-hmm. and I still do have him and he ran a few more races than Gigi. Um, but as far as like the difference in training, she was, I don't want to say she was easy, but she, I mean, she taught me how to ride, right? She, she was right. challenging to the point where it was rewarding. Like I would come home crying and be like, I can't ride this horse. And tell her, I was like, it's just a horse. You can ride it. It's fine. <laughs> um, and then uh, for Landshark, you know, he was, he was actually more, um, he was more quiet. I, it was, I don't know if it was because he was a gelding or, you know, I don't, I don't really know why, but he was, he was more quiet than Gigi. I think that she really liked to challenge me. Whereas he kind of just did his job, which is weird because he had run more times than her. So I'm not entirely sure, but I, I feel like the less time they spend on the track, maybe is makes a difference. I don't know. <laughs> no, I mean, obviously you run into to less issues as far as soundness. Um, the less time they, they, they kind of spend on the track sometimes. Um, but, you know, I, in my experience, having the, the war horses, yeah, they might take a while longer to kind of realize and flip the grip that, oh, you're not going to be a racehorse anymore. But I also find that they are, they're also the ones that really strive for perfection. Um, not that, you know, they, they all don't have that quality, but they, they really are determined to be the best. Um, but I also like to do a little bit of rapid fire questioning at the end of these, um, (laughs) about Gigi. And I always start, what is her favorite treat? Ooh, okay. So she likes healthy things. Uh, Let's go with apples. She likes those red gala apples. I've had horses that are like health freaks. I'm like, you guys are, why can't you just have a peppermint? Like (laughs) sugar. No. Um, uh, What is, if she had a theme song, what would it be? (laughs) Um, So funny. At my bachelorette party, we actually did like a pony party. So her theme song is actually Material Girl. Perfect. I love it. It's okay. very fitting. Yeah. Um, kind of going down that line, if she was like a human and you guys were like at a party or ha- hanging out, what would her drink of choice be? Oh, my gosh. Um, I feel like she'd be like a vodka seltzer girl. A what? Very – like a, a seltzer. vodka seltzer girl. Yeah, just like a <laughs> White very claw. plain, no sugar, yeah. <laughs> That's great. Um, what's her favorite thing to do? She loves going on those hacks in the the big like cross country field with no jumping just to be able to gallop out in those fields. She has the best time. I think it's great for her brain, but she prefers that over ring work for sure. I feel her. That is so fun. <laughs> I, I mean, that's just like what you love to do, just like galloping along. 
uh, open breeze, open field. Um, what's her she least like favorite? like a thoroughbred again. Right, right. What's her <laughs> least favorite thing? Uh, probably um, working on being supple. <laughs> she hates to give. So if she could hold her head as high as she wanted it the entire time, she's probably why we're doing jumpers. <laughs> yeah, the tension in the pole is always something to uh, – <laughs> They got to overcome. It takes a long time. I remember I did mainly dressage with the horse that I had off the track the longest, and it does. It takes so much time to develop that. Um, But so what has been the biggest lesson that she has taught you, just either about horses or or life in general? Um, So probably about keeping my eyes up. I'm like one of those people that for some reason loves to look at the ground, you know, when I get speed or I'm about to go over a jump. And she has been a great teacher to tell me that if you look down, I'm not going over this. So um, I learned a lot just from that. I hear you. Always look ahead. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Look over the jump. Don't look down. Right, right. Well, Cassidy, thank you so much. This has been a great uh, conversation about you and Gigi. And uh, thank you again for all the hard work that you've put into uh, finding these racehorses homes after their racing careers are done. Absolutely. Thank you for having me on and letting me um, talk about one of my my favorite topics. <laughs> Gigi, that is. <laughs> <laughs> Tyler's like, it might be me. <laughs> well, we'll let him think that. But Cassie, thank you so much. Of course. Thank you, Megan. for listening to this edition of Off Track. Cassidy Edwards, such a asset to the horse racing industry in what she and her family have brought not only on the track but have given to their horses once they are no longer able to race and Gigi I thought interesting that she actually got from new vocations wasn't one of her dad's horses um, but still kind of giving back in that respect and Cassie doing a lot of great work with new vocations. Also, I want to announce that we are going to have an Instagram page and you can follow at OffTrackTB. We will be posting, uh, obviously, links to these podcasts, but also some other media with regards to guests and horses that we've talked about. And last but definitely not least, if you want to support horses that can no longer compete on the racetrack nor can go on to second careers, you have to support the TRF. If you want to make a donation, you can go to trfinc.org slash off track. Thanks.